Hey, thanks for joining us on the No Limits Church podcast. Here at No Limits, we are dedicated to helping you live your best life. And it's a journey that we call pursuing limitless life in Jesus. And we're doing it all for one reason, so that our lives can impact the world. So wherever you're listening from, we pray that you are encouraged and empowered by this week's message. Welcome to No Limits Church. Today we're continuing a series called Uncommon Relationships. You probably uh, realize that relationships that actually work are kind of rare, but we're going to flip that around here at No Limits, and relationships that work are going to be what's normal around here, all right? But for those of you who don't know me, my name's Cade, and I'm the lead pastor here alongside my wife, Beth. And here at No Limits, we're on this mission of making a difference in the lives of others. We want to help people know God. We want to help people find freedom. And we want to help people discover their purpose. In other words, we want to help you live the life that God planned for you before you were even born, which is an awesome life. It's a journey. You don't get there overnight. Some of y'all might have realized that already. And that's why we need each other. And that's why the church exists. The church isn't just something that we do, you know, out of obligation or anything like that. Like there's a whole purpose for us coming together. But the goal we're reaching for is actually found in Ephesians 3.20, which is our core scripture here at No Limits. And in short, God wants to blow our minds with what he can accomplish through us when we all come together and take the limits off of what he wants to do in our lives. Incredible things are going to happen. So that's what we're after, and that's why we're called No Limits Church. So go ahead and nudge your neighbor and say, God's going to blow our socks off. And hopefully you took a bath today, so it doesn't smell too bad, right? Before we get into the message today, I want to take a moment and celebrate the kickoff of our spring semester of small groups, which was just two weeks ago. Here at No Limits, small groups are one of the most important things that we do, not just because they're a good idea, but because they're a biblical mandate, and we follow the word because the word is truth. Forming close relationships with other believers is how you find freedom, and it's how you stay in freedom. You can't do it without them, so you'll never live the life God wants you to live if you try to do it by yourself. It's just not going to happen. You need a group of people in your corner who are there to to pursue God with you. And last I checked, we have 50 members signed up for small groups this semester. That is awesome. But if you haven't signed up yet, it's not too late. There's actually info at the end of your message notes on the back page that'll let you know how you can find your small group and sign up for a small group if you need to do that. All right, let's get into part three of Uncommon Relationships. Just want to take a moment, shout out to Miss Darla Bell for last week bringing us a good word. I sprung that on her, uh, I think it was the day before, or maybe it was Friday. I told you Friday night. I was like, Darla, I don't think we're going to make it. Can you, can you speak on Sunday? Because she was supposed to have this week. And so she fast-forwarded and, and got it done and, and brought you all a powerful word. So thank you so much, Darla. I really appreciate that. But basically, this, the whole thesis of this series is that good relationships are possible. They're just not probable. In other words, you're more likely to have bad relationships than you are to have good relationships. I know that's not very good news, and it's not very encouraging, but this series is actually to show you like the path to good relationships. Let's take a look at our theme verse for this series, found in Romans 12, 2. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Copy the wor- or I highlighted the word behavior there is because the world has its own brand of behavior. I don't know if you've realized that. And a lot of us end up copying this behavior because we don't take time to think, like, is this, is this God's idea of, of behavior? And I'd venture to say that one of the most dangerous places to copy the world's behavior is in relationships. I mean, over 91% of the sexual encounters you see on TV happen outside of the context of marriage. How crazy is that? We can't even watch the Super Bowl without an overt display of sexuality. 
And we've, we've become so accustomed to it that many like Bible-believing Christians actually celebrated what happened on the halftime show just two weeks ago at the Super Bowl. Believe it or not, I actually watched the Super Bowl two weeks ago. I think it was my first football game. I only watched the second half, but it was actually really good, other than the halftime show. But this isn't an attack on anyone. I just want to make you aware of how easy it is to get accustomed to the world's behavior and think that it's okay. Because here's the deal. They're selling us something that doesn't work. It'll actually destroy your life. You know this, I don't have to tell you, but sometimes the gravitational pull of our culture is so strong that it just seems impossible to shake off. But we won't shake it off because it's not impossible. Here's the answer. We're just going to continue reading the scripture. So don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. You see, we always think that it's up to us. I've got to stop doing this. I've, I've got to start doing that. And we go on and on and on, and it becomes all about like what we have to do to improve ourselves. But this scripture kind of messes with you, doesn't it? Let God. The only part of this that you play is let God. That's it. You just, you just have to let him, but it's easier said than done because most of us would rather let our pride rule our lives, which thinks that the world's way is the right way. So let me expand this out for you. Letting God is simply elevating him above your own ideas. That's what it means to let God. You position him as supreme authority in your life, so it doesn't matter how good it feels. It doesn't matter how much you think that it's right. If it's not right according to the word, then it's not right, and you're going to follow God. You're going to elevate his way above your own way. And when you let him, he's going to transform you. And I looked up the original Greek word for transform, and here's what it means, to change into another form. In other words, you don't change yourself. God changes you. And that's good news. And he does that by changing the way that you think. I'm fully aware that I can't change you. It's kind of sobering sometimes, to be honest with you. Like, if you don't agree with me, I can't change your mind. I get that. Nor am I going to try. But what I do know is that by bringing you all the word every Sunday, he can change the way that you think. Sunday after Sunday, you're hearing the word of God, and as these truths settle into your heart, God's going to do a transforming work on the inside of you, and he's going to turn you into a new person by changing the way that you think. I'm not changing the way that you think. It's God, and oh boy, am I thankful for that, because that would be a lot of pressure if I had to be the one responsible for changing the way that you think. But for you to take on God's way of thinking, you have to, all you have to do is let him. Like, he can't force it on you, although I'm sure he would like to. So every Sunday, I actually encourage you guys to show up with the expectation that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hear something that's going to change the way that I think, and it's going to be a good change. So week after week, you're going to be transformed into a new person. Does anybody want that besides me? And through this series, more specifically, your relationships are going to be transformed into what they were meant to be. They'll take on the last part of the scripture, which says, then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. This is what God wants for your relationships. He wants it for your marriage. He wants it for your relationship with your parents. He wants it for your friendships. He wants your relationships to be good and pleasing and perfect. So I want to do something kind of fun and contrast the world's way versus God's way for relationships. This is when you can start filling in those blanks on your message notes, which I definitely encourage you to do. So here's the, first, here's the world's way. Step one, you got to find the right person. It's like a hunt. you got to go find the perfect person, the one that's going to fit me like a glove, the one that's going to complete me. i got to find them. And then we fall in love, as if it's an accident. We talk about love like it's the median on the highway on an icy day. You're just going to fall into it. I just couldn't help it. I know I was, I'm committed to this other person, but I fell in love with this other person. 
Or here's another way we say it. I, I, I remember the day that we fell in love, but we're not in love anymore, so we're getting a divorce. Y'all, when we talk about falling in love, that's, that's not love. It's not love at all. If you remember anything from the first week of this series, you know that love is not something that happens to you. Love is something that you give. But then you fix all your hopes and dreams on them. So now it's up to them to make you happy. If they don't do what you want, if they don't meet your needs, then there ain't no way you're going to be happy because it's up to them. And this sets your relationship up for failure, believe it or not. And so if failure happens, I probably should have said when failure happens, repeat one through three with someone else. Isn't this a good system? I mean, you can always predict the outcome. So that's pretty nice. You know, you know it's going to fail, and you'll get to try again with somebody else. You'll get to go through that heartache over and over again. Man, what a good system. Listen to me. We're, we've been sold this idea that if you're not happy in your current relationship, then the next one's going to be way better. Well, let me paint a picture for how it's really going to happen. You'll marry someone else and find out that you're just as incompatible with them as you were the per- person you were married to in the first place. The problems may be different, but there's still going to be problems. Only this time, you get to carry the baggage of your pre- the problems from your previous relationship in with the new problems. So you don't just have your new problems, you have your old ones too, but hey, at least you got the thrill of falling in love again, right? But y'all are smart people, you know this. It's just the world's way is so common, we sometimes fall into it without even thinking. But here's God's way. Become the right person. Instead of trying to find the right person, focus on becoming the right person. In other words, instead of looking for what the relationship will bring to you, you focus on what you can bring to the relationship. That's God's way. And I showed it to you last, I showed it to you two weeks ago that, that God isn't looking to get love from us. He's looking to give love to us. And he did that too as an example. If we spend our energy in our marriage trying to become the best partner that we can be, instead of wasting all of our energy trying to change our partner, it's going to be way better. Because when you focus on becoming the right person, you're, focus, or you're all ready for what's next, which is you walk in love. Love's not an accident. It doesn't happen in a hurry. You don't fall in love. You walk in love. Step by step, you make a choice to love others the same way that God loves you. Love's not a feeling. It's what you do. It's a choice. So even when, you don't, even when you feel like you're no longer in love, well, guess what? You can still love your spouse, love the other person, and then fix all your hopes and dreams on God. Like, it's much better to look to God for fulfillment instead of your spouse, because God's always the same. He always has your best interests at heart. And even though your spouse may think otherwise, you just can't say the same thing about them. Most of the time, but not all the time. God's the one that's consistent. And then if failure occurs, repeat one through three. Like, you're not going to get this perfect. Your spouse might do something that seems unforgivable. But instead of giving up, you head back to step one and you focus on becoming the right person. Not changing them. Not putting all the blame on them. But they're the one that messed up. You can't change them. But you can change you. And you can become the right person. You can become who they need you to be. And I can almost guarantee you that you're going to find the answer in 1 Corinthians 13. Which, not by accident, we've covered this scripture in every uh, part of the series so far. So let's do it again. 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of being wrong. Wow. 
That's some serious stuff. It doesn't rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. If you come to me and say you're looking for a divorce, I'll send you to this scripture and say, if you can find a way out of it, then bring that to me because you probably can't. In short, God's plan for our relationships can be summed up into two words, uncommon commitment. Let me be honest with you. Most marriages fail today because of a lack of commitment. The normal thing to do is to bail when things get tough. But if you want to do this God's way, you stick it out, you walk in love, and you become a better person through it. Notice I didn't say you stick it out and you wait for them to change. No, that's not the goal. While, you're, while you stay committed, you focus on yourself, becoming a better person. Become the best version of you and then trust God to work in them. You can't change them, but God can. And you know what? He may just use your example of uncommon love and uncommon commitment to change them and to bring them into that. But if you take on God's job of transforming people, it ain't going to turn out very well. You see, we live in a culture that's like afraid of commitment. Like, <laughs> we get an invitation on Facebook to an event, and the best we can do is reply maybe, because it's just too much to commit to a yes or to a no. Or how about the times that, like, we set up an outreach event here at church, and you get an opportunity to make a difference in the lives of others, and you want to do it, like you really do, like it's in your heart, but you just can't, because what if something better comes up? Or what if I don't feel like it that day? Or what if my kid has a sports game that they haven't told me about yet? Now, some of y'all are looking at me right now like I just ran into you at Walmart in your PJs and your hair's not fixed and you're trying to get away from me. It's going to be okay. So here we are living in a culture that can't even commit to an event. Is it really a surprise that people can't commit to a relationship or to a job or to their church or to their small group? Because we show up to our small groups. This is not an example God gives us. Like, can you imagine if God had commitment problems like we do? Like, we'd be saved today, and we wouldn't be saved tomorrow. Our sins would be forgiven today, but they wouldn't be forgiven tomorrow. But that's not God at all, because this is God, Hebrews 13, 5. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. Oh, man, those are like some absolutes right there. He's never going to fail you. He's never going to abandon you. This is the same uncommon commitment that we got to carry around in our own relationships between each other. I've actually made this commitment to Beth. I tell her frequently that there's nothing she can do to get rid of me. Like, she could betray me, and I would take a stand for reconciliation in our relationship. She could leave, and I'd go find her, and I'd drag her back. That's what would happen. So I don't know if she sticks with me because she's scared or because she actually likes me. But either way, we're in this for the long haul. I'm committed to her not just when everything's going right, but when life is tough, when we're mad at each other, when we disagree with each other, which we do, believe it or not. Beth, I'll never leave you. I'll never give up on you. Never. And I carry the same level of commitment to our church. I'm here for you guys. I'm here to lead you to the life that God has for you. And I'm not going anywhere. I'm committed to be here. So now let's take a look at the scripture in the Old Testament that really uh, brings out this idea of uncommon commitment. This is going to be a little tough to hear. So just buckle your seatbelt for a minute. It's going to be okay. We're going to make it through it. Malachi 2.13 says, You cover the Lord's altar with tears, weeping and groaning, because he pays no attention to your offerings and doesn't accept them with pleasure. So here's someone crying about their life. It's falling apart, but they're still going to church, and they're still giving in the offering, but it just seems that God doesn't even care. He's not even helping them. So you cry out, Why doesn't the Lord accept my worship? Well, I'll tell you why. Because the Lord witnessed the vows you and your wife made when you were young. 
You mean God cares about my commitments? Yes, he cares about your commitments, and he especially cares about your deepest commitment, which is your marriage. But you've been unfaithful to her, though she remained your faithful partner, the wife of your marriage vows. Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? In body and spirit, you're his. This isn't your marriage. This is God's marriage. You thought it was just between you and your spouse. But in body and spirit, after you became one, you're his. That's powerful. And what does he want? He wants godly children from your union. So guard your heart, remain loyal to the wife of your youth. Oh my goodness, have you guys noticed how there's like an all-out attack on kids these days? Like the main reason that babies are being aborted is because nobody has time to raise a kid. Like they think that their life is too important for the disruption of children. That's really what's going on. And I learned recently that if you go to one of our coastal states here in the U.S., You'll find that if you take your kids into a restaurant, you get lots of dirty looks because at those coastal states, they believe that kids shouldn't come in restaurants. They should be kept at home because they're a nuisance. And most people have dogs instead of kids because they can leave their dogs at home. Seriously, that's what's going on. And it's not that quite severe yet here, but there's roots of this going on right here in the God-fearing state of Oklahoma. Like it's finding its way into the U.S. Kids have become this thing that nobody wants around because there's some kind of hindrance. Well, I'm kicking this plan of the devil right out of here. We aren't going to have it. As pastor of this church, I take a stand for our children, and I declare that every child is valuable. Every child is a gift from God. They're not a nuisance, and they're welcome here at No Limits Church. So this means that kids are welcome in all of our small groups, all of our services, all of our outreach events. Sure, they might be distracting from time to time, but this is our chance to train them in the ways of God. So my small group leaders, listen up. If you think kids are a nuisance, change your thinking right now, because they're not. They're welcome in our small groups. How can we expect our kids to grow in their relationship with God if we tell them they can't be a part of anything that the church is doing? We can't. So if you've bought into this lie that your kids are a nuisance and all you're trying to do is get away from them, change your thinking. That is not God's way at all. And y'all got me worked up. So let's get back to this scripture. But what God wants for our marriages is godly children. That's why he says this next. The man who hates and divorces his wife, says the Lord, the God of Israel, does violence to the one he should protect, says the Lord Almighty. So be on your guard and do not be unfaithful. Can you see that breaking your commitments, especially in marriage, is a really big deal? And please know that I'm not saying that you should stay in an abusive relationship. Not saying that at all. I mean, look at this scripture. Ladies, if your husband is violent towards the one that he should protect, he's basically already divorced you. So get away from it. Get out of it. And I know there's extreme situations out there, but a majority of those who are getting divorced these days are simply because they aren't really committed. Do y'all know what the number one reason for divorce is? Money. Seriously. What's the second one? Lack of intimacy. And here's some more. Lack of compatibility. Physical appearance. Addictions. Getting married too young getting married for the wrong reasons, whatever that means, lack of communication, lack of equality, loss of identity. Hmm, okay, sounds like pretty much all those things can be worked out, right? And that's why commitment is so important. Let me put it to you this way. Go ahead and write this down in your message notes. Commitment means staying loyal to what you said you were going to do long after the mood that you set it in has left you. Because the Lord knows we'll say some things when we're in the right mood. White dresses are flowing, music is playing, hearts are fluttering. 
for better or for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and health, till death do us part. Ain't nothing but death gonna separate us, baby. But now that you're at home with your screaming kids and demanding boss, not enough money in a house that your wife doesn't even like, now is there something other than death that's going to separate you? Maybe we should start asking this question during premarital counseling, so at least we can be accurate in our vows on wedding day. It may go something like this, like, for better, and as long as it doesn't get too bad. For richer, and as long as you make 100000 per year. In sickness and in health, I think I can do that one. As long as you let me do what I want to do when I want to do it. Y'all get it, but listen to me. I'm not trying to make you endure pain and suffering in your relationship. That's not what this is about. I'm trying to give you the power to make your marriage awesome. You'll never have the marriage you want if you don't follow God's example of commitment. It's not going to happen. Never will I fail you. Never will I abandon you. Commitment is a beautiful word. Let me say it again, because some of y'all didn't believe me that first time. (laughs) Commitment is a beautiful word. And I'm here today to help you reaffirm your commitments and to stop being so afraid to commit to the things that are going to bring God's best into your life. I'm here to stop the enemy from stealing your best life by selling you some kind of counterfeit idea of happiness that's going to be found in another person. Happiness doesn't come from the perfect person. It comes from commitment. I know all this is kind of hard to hear. Like I kind of feel a little bit of tension in the room. Anybody else feel that? Mm, It's nice. Some of y'all are probably even thinking, well, yeah, it's easy to commit when you have like the perfect wife and the perfect marriage and these well-behaved kids. And while I'm flattered some people think that about us, it's just not true. You see, you, you guys get to see us on one of the highlights of our week on Sunday, and only for an hour. Keep, remember that, too. But you didn't see us when we were at home sick last week. And let me tell you, last Sunday, we were probably meaner to each other than we've ever been before. I'm not even joking. On a Sunday, while you guys were here at church, your pastor was at home griping at his wife and your wife and her kids, and like, it was just a a good time. So maybe you thought we were all at home singing praises to God and having this amazing home church service, but that is not what was going on. I know it's a little bit disappointing, but our life's not perfect. (laughs) And our story may not be as bad as yours, but let me tell you, your story is not a lost cause. It's not at all. Today I'm asking you to dismiss this idea that your situation can't change and just reaffirm your commitment. And don't let it turn into something that you try to do on your own because you can't do this on your own. Here's the secret sauce, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So this all becomes doable when you make a choice to partner up with Christ instead of trying to do it by yourself. Get shoulder to shoulder with him. Invite him into the bad times. Invite him into the good times. So I thought a good way to end this message would be to give you guys five things that God has committed to you. And I want you all to just experience these today. Like, just let them settle right on the inside of you. When these become real to you, it's then, then you'll have the capacity to commit to others. But not until you realize God's commitments to you. And here's the first one. This is God here. He commits to prioritize you. Now, in relationships, this is usually like one of the first places we fail. Like when I struggle, when Beth and I struggle because I put work first, causes problems because my priorities got out of line. And this is kind of like a recurring adjustment for me, but I'm a lot better at it now than I used to be. So I know that she's thankful for that. My family has to come before my work or my relationship with Beth and my relationship with my kids will never be what God intended it to be. 
This means I can't allow work to impede on family time. When it's family time, there's no calls. There's no emails. Nothing. My boss can shove it because I ain't answering. Because this is family time, and I value my family, and I prioritize my family. And this also means I'll sometimes have to say no to work so that I can take care of my family. Like if Beth's not feeling well, she needs my help taking care of the kids at a time when I would normally work. That's the hardest thing for me. I have to say no to my work and go help Beth with the kids because my family is my priority. And although there's times where we all no longer feel like a priority to the ones who are closest to us, we will always be God's priority. Always. Jesus gave up his own life to show us that we are his priority Take a look at 1 John 3.16. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. So because God prioritizes me, I can prioritize you. If you try to prioritize your relationships and your own strength, you're not going to make it. But if you take time to first realize that God prioritizes you, you'll have the strength that you need to prioritize your spouse and prioritize your kids and those other things in your life too. And here's the next commitment God makes to you. He says, I commit to pursue you. And there is no greater example of pursuit than when you're dating. Like you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. Emotions are flying. Like your heart is fluttering and you just can't get enough. You're texting all the time. You're on the phone till midnight and you take every chance you can to be together. The dating relationship, you're in hot pursuit. Did you know that God is just as eager about his relationship with you? We all experience it like he's tugging on our hearts during worship. And then we just give him the stiff arm. Sorry, God, I don't feel like it today. He, he like pulled this church together and he gives us the resources that we need to have this amazing service every week. Like God did that. And then sometimes we treat it like it's a commodity. I'll show up when, when it's convenient or when, when I want to. And you could probably find 20 things in your life right now that reveals that God is pursuing you if you just took time to think about it. Just take a look at this scripture. Revelation 3.20 says, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I'm going to come in and and we'll share a meal together as friends. So God is at your door. He's knocking. He's smiling. He's waiting, waiting to have a meal together. But you're under your blanket hiding because you don't want anybody to disturb your Netflix binge. God is pursuing you. All you got to do is open your eyes to it and you'll begin experiencing him in your life. He's knocking. He's just waiting for you to answer. All you got to do is open the door. Come on in. And I know you don't need help with this when you're dating your spouse, but when you're married, the hot pursuit turns a little bit cold. It's not quite as hot as when you were dating. But to turn this around, you first take time to realize that God is pursuing you. And because God pursues me, I can pursue you. It's okay that it looks a little bit different in marriage than it does in dating. Here's the next one. I commit to possess you. And some of you ladies are thinking, oh, no, you don't own me. Isn't there a song about that? You don't own me. Something like that. And I know this one sounds a little funny, but just calm down, because it's probably not what you think that it is. Take a look at this scripture, 1 Peter 2.9. You're chosen people, you're royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. So this is God saying, like, this is awesome. This is so, you belong to me, and I get to have these amazing people as part of my life. Have you ever had something that you were proud to show others? Like maybe it was a, the latest phone or a gadget or, or a car or a puppy or something like that. And you're just so excited to, that it belonged to you and you got to show it to somebody else. And this is how excited God gets that you belong to him. Like he just wants to show you off and let everybody know that you belong to him. 
See, ladies, that's starting to sound pretty good, right? You all love it when your man possesses you, calls you his own, and wants to show you off and tell everybody what a good thing he's found. Well, this is how God feels about you, ladies. This is how God feels about the fellows in the room, too. To God, all of us are his very own, and he wants to let everybody else know what a good thing that he's found. And, fellas, this is your fuel to offer the same thing to your wife. Because God possesses me, I can possess you. And here's the next one. I commit to protect you. And, man, I'm so glad that God has protected me. I probably wouldn't be here today if God wasn't looking out for me. He even protected me when I was the one that put myself in danger. Psalms 121.7 says that the Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life. When it comes to protecting our relationships, the men in the room probably visualize themselves getting a gun, heading to the gym, or taking a fighting class, right? But the best way to protect our relationships is actually to believe the best all the time about the other person. Like when they have a sour look on their face, instead of getting mad at them for being mad at you, you believe the best. Maybe they're not mad at all. When someone else says something negative about somebody else at church, did you hear what they did? Can you believe what they did? You say, "Mm, you know, I don't don't think that's right. What about all these good things that they've done? What if we all committed to protecting each other like that? Like instead of like believing the gossip or joining in in the gossip, you, you go and talk to the person directly about it if you feel like it needs to be talked about, or you just believe the best and forget all about it. Shut that gossip down right there. Now these would be good relationships. You all know that. We need to commit to protecting each other, and here's how you pull it off. Because God protects me, I can protect you. And here's the last one. I commit to purify you. In other words, God knows that you're going to mess up. And he knows you're going to do something stupid, and he wants to give you a way out. Some of you all need to hear this because you, you just blew it last week. And you kind of imagine God's response to be, seriously? You did that again? But that's not God's response at all. The Bible tells us that God delights in showing us unfailing love. It says that in Micah 7, 18. In other words, like his response when we mess up for the hundredth time is, hey kiddo, here's my love. It's still here for you. Let me paint this picture for you. So you blew it. And God springs into action with a smile on his face because he's thinking, this is, this is, when, my, this is when they need me most. And here I am. I have exactly what they need. And he pours out his love and he brings you back to wholeness. That's God's response when you mess up. And here's how the Bible paints this beautiful picture, Ephesians 5.25. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. And he did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. So when you mess up, God's right there to purify you. Not with harsh words, but with love. And husbands, this is our example. So when our wives mess up, which I know is really rare, so rare. I mean, you may have to do this once or twice in your lifetime. Well, we love them back to wholeness. We don't lash out. We don't get on to them. We don't shame them. We love them back to wholeness. And we move in with purpose, knowing that this is when they need us most. This is our role in marriage. And because God purifies me, I can purify you. Let's go ahead and close your eyes as we pray. 
I've just given you the thanking from the word of God, but now God needs to do the transforming and he's going to do that right now. So go ahead and open your heart to him where you, where you are and, and just say in your heart, God, change me, transform me. God, I ask you to give us a deep revelation of how you prioritize us and pursue us and possess us, protect us and purify us. God, we come before you right now, not hiding anything, but, but laying it all before you. We ask you to wash us with the water of your word. Lord, as we understand how committed you are to us, help us commit to each other. I thank you for marriages being made whole. I thank you for relationships being strengthened between parents and children. I thank you for friendships being reconciled. I thank you for giving us the power to step into uncommon commitment. We commit to our spouse. We commit to our church. We commit to you. Go ahead and keep your eyes closed. Maybe you have never committed your life to God. You've tried it out a few times and you've had a few good dates here and there, but you haven't gone all in. Well, today's your day. Or maybe you once committed, but you really aren't committed anymore. Well, it's never too late to come back to commitment. If you're here today and you feel that tug on your heart to go all in with God, I want you to make that decision right now. We're going to pray a prayer of commitment together. But before we do, I want you to put your hand up as high as you can just to show God that you're committing your life to Him. So come on, now's the time. Go ahead and put your hand up. This is how you show God that you're committing your life to him. And then let's say this prayer together. Jesus, thank you for committing your life to me. Today, I realize it. And today I respond to it. I commit my life to you. Everything. I surrender all. Now live inside of me and change me transform me, make me the person you want me to be. In your name I pray, amen. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for those commitments and we thank you that you're with us as we walk these out. Thank you for committing to us and when we struggle in our own commitments, I ask that you just bring that to our remembrance, how much you've committed to us because we know that's what gives us the power to return that commitment back to you and to those relationships in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you just prayed that prayer, we want to support you along the journey that's ahead, but we can't support you if we don't know that we need to support you. So we set up an easy way for you to tell us. You can simply text the word Jesus to 918-373-9883. We're not going to bug you. We're not going to spam you. I can promise you that. We're, we're just here for you, and we want to help you. So please go ahead and, and text that. I'm getting ready to switch the slides, so if you didn't have time to write that down, it's actually on the back of your message notes as well.
And hey, if you came prepared to give today, here's how you do it. If you're giving by cash or check, you can just raise your hand and one of our lovely ushers will bring you an offering envelope. Or if you're giving with a debit or credit card, you can use the instructions on the screen behind me. If you're listening online right now, go ahead and type in nolimits.fyi into your address bar and then tap the giving button. That'll get you where you need to go. Thank you for joining us. And a special thanks to those that give into our ministry. It's because of your generous giving that we're able to lead people to Jesus and make a difference all around the world. If you're ready to give, head to your browser and type nolimits.fyi into the address bar. And hey, if you were encouraged by this podcast, hit that share button and pass it on so that others can be encouraged as well. Or you can even take a screenshot and share it on your social stories. Thanks again for listening and God bless you.